Hello podcast followers and listeners, welcome to another episode of the Agile Podcast. And in this one, we have another summary for you from one of our prestigious Pints episodes with Lisa Crispin, author of Agile Testing and More Agile Testing, along with her co-author, Janet Gregory. Funnily enough, we spoke largely about testing within the Agile community, uh, and Lisa's been very much a, a leading voice uh, in that community for a long time and still remains so to this day. So we've answered lots of questions um, and, and posed her lots of questions about her role within the Agile testing community and the, the challenges it faces and the direction it's going in. So we hope you enjoyed the summary. Keep, uh, keep subscribed to get all our latest episodes from our other prestigious Pints series. And if you are interested in the full interview that we had with Lisa, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Agile podcast for more details there. So here we go. Let's play the jingle. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Seth. Welcome, oh. welcome back. Welcome back yes. to, the, to the virtual pub. And it's now well, well we could be honest with the day. It's now we're, we're approaching the end of the summer. It's September. Oh, summer's gone. It's cold. I've, I've got, got the heating ju- on. I've got you, I've got a jumper on. You've got a jumper on. Um, oh. I'm drinking a hot drink. It doesn't feel like uh, I must admit. I'm still wearing shorts. I'm, you know, I'm clinging. On, I'm clinging on to that that um, summer element, but I'm drinking coffee. I'm not drinking drinking a pint because it's the middle of the morning. But uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm clinging on to some kind of. I'm hoping for an Indian summer, the kind of September, warm September. But that even that's not happening, is it? Mm. So. Um, yeah. So uh, how 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 do you take your coffee? How do I take my coffee? Yeah. Uh, Does with, it taste of apples? <laughs> it doesn't. I'm um. A lot of my friends, um, you include, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put you in this category, but a lot of my friends here, um, local to us here, really do um, take pride in, how, in like, making proper coffee in the morning. I don't. Yeah. I'm just very much an instant coffee. So, so some people would, would scoff at my, uh, my Dow Egbert's instant coffee that I've made with milk and okay. no, no sugar. But that's all I've got. Um, there's nothing gl- um, glamorous about it. It's just... Yeah. Boiled water with some instant coffee and some milk. What well, are... you say you're not going to put me in that category. Well, you'd be wrong. Oh, really? Yes. But you've got, I've a, got pro... a coffee machine. You've got a I've coffee, got a coffee machine. machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got a, I've got a grinder, in you know, an integrated grinder. So I get the beans. We've got a, a local place near us that sources beans from all over the place. They actually roast them on site. Do they? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, you can get. I've got some some Guatemalan coffee beans here, oh. which I've ground down, uh, forced through my espresso machine and then topped up with some 90 degree water, not 100 degree water, because you don't want to burn the coffee. Uh, and so I've got, a, I've got a homemade black Americano all the way from Guatemala. I take it all back. You are a coffee stop. I take it all back. <laughs> so yeah, cheers. Cheers, mate. Yes. Happy coffee drinking. Yes. Mm. But yeah, I mean, you can have coffee in a pub, can't you? It's very much a, yeah. you know, an all-day round uh, experience these days. So breakfast and, and coffee mm. in a pub. Well, we've got a new bar opening near us soon, um, which is, it's calling itself an espresso bar. 
Um, but it's also got a license to serve alcohol. So you can stand at the bar and they've got these fancy new machines they're telling us about that effectively it looks like you're pouring from um, a bar uh, pump, pump yeah, of the bar. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it takes a lot of the faff out of it. Really expensive machines, only two of them in the country apparently. Oh, really? So uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So you stand at the bar and order your coffee or order your pint or order your whiskey or whatever. And um, yeah, it's, I, mean, I, I will try it out when it's open. We'll say, maybe, it's, maybe we'll do a pubcast from I was going to say, it's got to be a future pubcast venue at some point. We'll put it on the list. Yeah. So yeah, we are here today, Jeff, to um, appraise, discuss and summarise another one of our uh, prestigious pints episodes that we did yes um this is number nine i think is this number nine it could be i mean I'm it's gonna, the ninth month of the year so i'm gonna I'm say nine so. i'm gonna say i'm gonna say nine um and we invited uh lisa crispin for a chat yes <laughs> i'll come on to that in a minute um but uh yeah we invited lisa um on for a, a chat with us and she, Lisa's uh, based uh, in Vermont in, in the US and if you don't know Lisa she's um, a big voice a, a constant voice a, a, um, and, and ever present since I've started my agile career if you don't know Lisa you're probably doing bad agile <laughs> that's fair that's a fair comment um, if you don't know you should you should look her up and re- at least read one of her <clears> books um, and Lisa, yeah, Lisa's um, very much behind and a driving force behind the the, uh, the community of the agile te- the agile testing community, testing within agile uh, teams, standing up for quality within um, agile development. So, along with her, we have to credit her co-author as well, Janet Gregory. Lisa and Janet wrote the book, pretty much wrote the book on agile testing. Literally, uh, yeah. So um, we uh, got Lisa in for a, a chat, and she was very um, very keen. I think she's actually. A podcast follower, uh, so we have to we have to say cheers to her for that. I think as well. Uh, yeah, she, she's she a patron. Does, she's a patron of our um, of our podcast. So cheers, Lisa, and uh, I'm sure you'll be listening. Um, and yeah, it was um, it was just again one of these nice um, conversations to have with uh, with one of our our heroes. Um, yeah, Lisa's awesome. She's um, she's a real. I mean, we we talked about this with Henrik. Henrik is is still like a, a full-time employee he's doing this as well he's not someone that just stands on a stage and writes a book and whatever um but yeah lisa is a is a tester she she's still testing in teams she's still working in agile teams yeah. as well as doing all the voluntary stuff that she does as a as a thought leader in the agile space so yeah so we've um what we thought we'd do in this kind of short half hour episode just give you a, a quick insight if you did want to um if you liked what you what you hear today and you'd like to hear the full version, we'll give you some details on how to get that at the end. Um, but rather embarrassingly, Jeff, um, you might not remember this now because it was a little while ago, but you um, you opened with a joke. I'm um, not embarrassed. Which is always a, always a dangerous tactic with one of our guests, but um, I thought we'd, we'd uh, offer this back to you now to see if you can remember. Um, I'm gonna play the joke um, to, yeah. the audit, to, the, uh, to the listeners. Um, and I'm going to stop it before before we hear Lisa's reaction. Okay, I'm going to play the joke first. Here we go. Uh, apologies in advance, but one of my favourite jokes involves a donkey. Oh. And so you probably heard it before. You probably heard all of them before. But donkey walks into the bar, and the bartender says, "Hey," and the donkey says, "Yes, you read my mind." So I've stopped it there, um, and I was going to ask you the question: Did Lisa laugh at your joke? Of course she did. Of course she did. She, you think she did? Yeah, um, at least inwardly. 
I, I again I'll ask our listeners as well to, to perhaps uh, based on Jeff's joke do, do you think ask yourselves do you think Lisa Lisa would have laughed um, and I'll give you the answer now so I've, I'll play you Lisa's reaction here we go that's very good I hadn't heard that one that's that's all you got that's all you got Jeff no uh, no rapturous laughter rapturous applause it was just she'd not heard that one before did you actually play the full joke a donkey walked into the bar and ordered a drink and the barman said why the long face now that's a different joke oh I didn't think you've actually played the, the full joke no that was it that was about hey hey you read my mind that was all you said you didn't. Follow, um, you didn't follow up with the long face. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. So that's all, all you got. That's all you got. That's a good one. Um, but yes, that was a nice way to open. But um, what do you call we, a donkey with three legs? A wonky. A wonky. A wonky. <laughs> I was going to say wonky donkey, but yeah, very good. The, the the fact that I told a joke about donkeys is because donkeys are. Oh yes. <laughs> essential part of Lisa's character. She loves donkeys. She's a supporter of donkeys. She's a, uh, a sponsor of rescue donkeys. She loves donkeys. Um, and so I told the joke. Yeah, so we, we spent a good kind of, I think, the first 10 minutes talking about her, her donkeys and, and how she looks after them and where they came from and all the adventures she's been on, on with them. Yes, that's the, can't miss the donkey reference. Good point. But then we came back to testing um, and we asked her how it feels um, to be known as the agile testing lady um, because from my perspective and your perspective and many people's perspective that's kind of who she is and then let's uh, let's hear what she said uh, you know it's it's an honor really I mean there was a time as you probably remember Jeff that the extreme programming community didn't think they needed any stinking testers mm -hmm. and so to have <laughs> agile and testing just in the same phrase is is wonderful we've really come a long way uh what i bring to the party is usually things like uh, helping them learn how to do exploratory testing helping them to go oh, maybe we should do some accessibility testing or how about security testing and and just introducing them to tools that can help them techniques that can help them mm -hmm. uh, it's like well let's let's um let's make the testing more visible like for this feature or this epic we'll put in some exploratory testing charters as stories in the backlog yeah, like you said this at the beginning, she's very much still doing that. And I think that's um, something that's always been part of her. She's very humble. She's um, yeah, she's always, always practicing, always trying to learn. But she's been kind of leading that, like I say, leading that charge on um, consistently. Probably since, well, when, when did you first meet her? When did you first know her? Um, it would have been in Boulder, I think, at a conference probably at a gathering um and then i remember we went for dinner at a seafood restaurant somewhere okay. lunch or something um and yeah she's just really easy to talk to mm. um, and just got loads and loads of insights and yeah wisdom really mm. it, yeah because um she's been doing it and um ever since she spoke about her, her kind of the first team that she was involved in and how she got involved. I think she was trained initially or she was, um, Mike Cohn came in to, to help her out on the, on her first project and kind of been kind of absorbing uh, that, that information and, and just practicing and, and encouraging other people to do it ever since then. Mm. Um, and I've always been, um, I suppose people, people like Lisa, I've got a massive amount of, um, 
imposter syndrome around here because I, I know I know the theory of agile testing and I can talk about the concepts, but actually uh, you couldn't get me writing any tests really. Um, and actually the the, the, the the practical side of things, making that happen, mm. you know, increasing your code coverage, increasing your, your resilience, and things. I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't teach people to do that. Uh, and I think it's it's fundamental to agile being successful that this this element of quality. So yeah, I, I kind of feel inadequate next to Lisa. <laughs> but that that was we had a, a bit of a conversation around that in terms of um her background isn't particularly technical either, I don't think. Um, that was quite, um, that was news to me. Um, she's not really got a development background. So she was, um, we asked her the question around whether testers need to be particularly technical. So that was a, I've got a little clip of that here. What we have to do as testers that aren't coders, uh, I'm working on my coding skills, but it's really slow, um, is collaborate. So our collaboration skills, our communication skills, getting the, platform engineers and the developers and everybody to engage with us. Let's get the people from the platform team embedded in the development teams. And conversely, let's get some developers, some engineers from the development teams embedded in the platform team. So it's from that perspective, I think you could do it, Jeff. You're doing yourself a disservice there because you have, you have the ability to help people collaborate. So you know that's that's another part. It's not just about the technical elements of it. I think it's um, there's also a facilitation part and bringing people together and having those conversations. Yeah, and I think it's come a long way. You know, I can remember being in a session with a client and bringing uh, having a technical coach with me who was teaching them about cucumber. Um, and I think, well, do you know what? The way that it's it's written is for it's for laymen. It's for people yeah. like me. So that, that it becomes a lot easier for, for it's not mystical, it's not, you know, um, magical. It's no. it's something that you can do in, in plain English. Yeah. There, there are some technical elements to it, of course, when you get down to test automation and things like that. But, um, but yeah, in essence, um, it's largely trying to increase quality. Well, I remember she had a good way of, of of explaining uh, something that I know a lot of people struggle with, which is actually getting, making a case for better testing, um, you know, more comprehensive testing. Yeah. Uh, and, and the agile approach to testing. I think a lot of people struggle with that within organizations because the focus is very much on, we'll get something out there. Um, and that contribution to, I think a lot of, some criticism certainly in the early days of agile being very much the wild west you yeah know, just it's it's hacking um and the quality isn't built in and we'll get round to it someday you know and she's she really helped frame that uh the importance of that and making it a little bit easier to have those kinds of conversations yeah we um <clears throat> we talked yeah on, the, on that line we talked about how to get how to kind of encourage um more exposure or how to give agile testing more more gravitas more exposure more uh more get get more attention 
uh, within mm. the organization. I think we've got a quote based on that as well. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to let the train wreck, like in that case. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, you know, potential business partners for the company that come to the rescue because then they're like, okay, we're going to do a security audit. Oh, that's how my security bugs got fixed. Yeah. We came with a, a partner came in and said, well, we're, we want to do a, a security audit and a penetration test. And they were like, ooh, maybe we better clean up what we know about first. Around that time when we recorded, there was an incident where um, a, fair, a fairly major uh, internet outage occurred and Am I think Amazon went down loads of different um, mm -hmm. web websites <laughs> went down and she's kind of saying that it's, it's a very highly risk, risky strategy but basically letting things crumble letting letting the train wreck happen as she said um, is a very dangerous way but it's a way of actually gaining exposure and the emphasis the lack of testing that we have or the um, the lack of integrity that we have in our products is sometimes the only thing that makes um, the bean counters you know, pay attention to sit up and pay attention to what needs to what needs to happen which is a shame but it is a way yeah and you know, she's not uh, advocating that you uh, you let your company um, <laughs> be exposed to all sorts of security flaws but it, in, in essence that, that's the most agile way of doing it right it's it's well where would this fail well let's find yeah. out yeah. You know, um, where is the biggest risk? Um, you know, a phrase that we didn't really talk about, but something that, that someone sent through to me recently was forget about MVP, look about MVT, you know, minimum viable test. Okay. Um, and that sense of, well, what, what should we be testing first? Uh, and, a, and a focused approach to testing. Mm. Um, and how are we going to prove that we've, we've, We've tested this to a level uh, that, that's necessary. <clears throat> the other thing, I, I, I quoted something, I tweeted something recently about an amateur practices until they get it right, a professional practices until they can't get it wrong. And I think that that remind when I tweeted that, I, I was actually thinking of Lisa because you know, she she does talk about this element of, of discipline and um, diligence and thoroughness. Mm. Uh, and it, that, that baked in professionalism. Um, I think it's really important to her. Yeah. The fact that it's been over 10 years since the introduction of the Chaos Monkey, and yet so few organisations are resilient enough to be able to to have have that kind of approach mm. built in, um, it just it's, it astonishes me. But it's it's a good example of how the companies that, that, that do and can are significantly faster and more resilient and less susceptible to public outages uh, and the and the reputational damage that gives than companies that can't and aren't mm. did you ever have the chaos monkey never heard of it never heard of it no. it's a netflix thing <clears throat> oh okay so the idea the metaphor is that um well the the the, the hypothesis is what, rather than building something in the hope to prevent outages assume that outages are inevitable mm -hmm. <clears throat> and how are you going to respond to them quickly enough right so uh, the metaphor was imagine that a monkey comes into your server farm and starts randomly ripping out cables and <laughs> um, how quickly can you restore service because yeah. you will have outages yeah. it's how quickly can you restore it and it was a netflix thing <clears throat> uh, so they basically randomly shut down servers yeah um and 
tested how quickly they could respond. I mean, that was, like I said, over 10 years ago, and it's now, they call it the Simian army now, so there's more than just the Chaos Monkey, there's all sorts okay. of different testing tools in, in, the, in the sort of portfolio. Um, but yeah, this, it's, it's such a, going back to our first comment around Lisa saying, well, just watch the train wreck happen. Yeah. It was kind of engineering the train wreck, if you like, yeah. and saying, yeah. this is going to happen. You know, like the fire drill, yeah. it's going to happen. The fire alarm is going to go off at some point. How the theory of how to evacuate is here, but can you actually do it when it happens? Yeah, you know, um, I think that's that's a really important mindset shift, and just amazing how few companies are brave enough to take that approach. Mm. They're still yeah. trying to prevent, and it's a similar kind of um, mindset, I suppose that. I think I had to go through this mindset shift of testing is to find bugs. Mm. It's not a good testing strategy will prevent bugs and find them, mm. you know, and that that's, we talk about mindset shifts a lot in our job. I think that that's a big one and it contributes to all sorts of dysfunctions like testers being seen as junior or secondary citizens and, you know, the annoying people that are there just to, just to slow us down and find all the problems. And this is a bug. No, it's a feature. That, yeah. that kind of stuff. Hmm. Sorry, I went off on a bit of a rant there. No, but it's, it reconnects to another question that we asked her if um, testing was a mindset thing, whether it's something hmm. that you either, you either have or you haven't. I think it is. I mean, I think anybody could have that mindset, but testers are certainly, they're in testing because they have it. Like, what if? What if I do this? What's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> Where, whereas people writing code are, have to be more focused on what's the most valuable thing here I have to get that working I gotta get this happy path working that's right you should do that but then you should start thinking about you know the sad path and the edge cases and and so focusing on value to the customer that's something I've really learned in the last few years and especially now that we can get so much data on what the customers think is valuable we can see what they're using yeah I think um, I think it is I think it's something you enjoy an inquisitive mind um, and it's a very much a, a proactive thing. It's really difficult though, isn't it? You know, it, it's something that a lot of teams that I work with find really difficult and um, agile, te agile testing. And yet yeah. it's so fundamental to success, mm. certainly over the medium to long term. Yeah, you, you might have some short term or some you know, apparent short term wins if you haven't got a good agile testing approach in place. Mm. But certainly not medium to long term, and, and she acknowledges that, right? She she knows it's not easy. Yeah. Um, we asked her, kind of now. Um, obviously, things have, have moved on. Automation's moved on. DevOps has has, uh, has arrived on on the scene. We kind of um, asked her, what's what's going to happen next? What's the what's the next challenge for agile testing? Let's see what she said. I think really getting more organizations to embrace continuous delivery or continuous deployment, whichever whichever flavor that you want. Embracing the idea that if we did small changes more frequently, we would have a lot less risk. We'd be able to manage our work better. Uh, we would not have some big ball of mud <coughs> waiting for us right before release. The arrival of continuous de deployment, continuous delivery. It, like you said, it's, it's a bit of a no-brainer in some respects, but it's so so much harder to um, to implement. And I know that when I was at Nokia, um, we had, it, I think it basically took the best part of 12 months to change over the existing deployment system, which was very much a manual 
uh, team, mm. a three-person a three team doing deployments on a, da on a daily basis. Um, and it's an, a huge amount of budget um, and investment in tools and, and, um, and learning. But to, to, to move across to a more autom uh, automated continuous deployment system, it's expensive and it's, yeah. uh, it's time consuming. Yeah. And companies are still, it's a, it's a um, expensive pill to take, isn't it? Or expensive yeah. lesson to learn. It's one of those uh, that you need to, you know, you need to make a good case for and prove the value in. Yeah. Um, quite, quite often, which is, which is a shame because it is, it is a hard argument to, to make for people who are focused on short term profitability, short term expense and things like that. Yeah. And when you've got something that kind of works, like a three person manual deployment team, is it, for, for a lot of people's opinion, is what well, is it worth moving? You know, yeah. I've got something that kind of works here, but it is quite often the biggest bottleneck mm. um, to, to future growth and future agility. Yeah. Yes. I asked her a question which, which kind of stopped her in her tracks. I think it was a powerful question, Jeff. Ooh. So I even asked, if you say so yourself, <laughs> um, I asked her what was the biggest misunderstanding in agile testing, and there was a kind of a kind of a sharp intake of breath at this point. I think one. I think, interestingly enough, I think that maybe the biggest misunderstanding comes from the testing community or parts of the testing community that think that somehow agile testing that they don't embrace all the testing activities on the spectrum. And they're just focused on functional testing okay. and that it's kind of shallow um you know it's they don't they i mean agile testing it's just testing <laughs> i i'm not one for labels it's an interesting point isn't it yeah the the, the label agile testing inevitably it's just it is just testing i think she even quotes kent beck in them um, in the interview she says um she, she kind of blames or accuses kent beck of naming something extreme programming she, she doesn't like the name extreme i think but kent peck's response was well i'm hoping eventually it'll just be called programming the idea was that yeah. you know people it will just become the way that we we do things and i suppose that's a similar thing with with agile testing is that it'll just become testing that yeah um we don't have to be on an agile team to do testing we should be testing everything that we're doing regardless of, of how we're, we're approaching it but it surprises me that even when she says within the community, that's that's still perhaps a, a misunderstanding. Um, um, that maybe yeah, maybe my expectations were higher that, that a broader sense of testing rather than just functional testing was was already being embraced. But maybe it isn't. Maybe maybe we're not quite there yet. Well, for a lot of it, and it's cost. Yeah, know? the cost is coming down. Things like uh, browser testing, UI testing, and automated UI testing is a lot cheaper than it was before it's a lot easier than it was before part of that's because technology's moved on but also part of it has moved on because of the of the understanding that is necessary so people have actually put the effort in, into doing it i think in the past the main driver has been to try and reduce the manual overhead because testing was boring wasn't it really yeah, yeah. Uh, and repetitive and so it was a kind of oh, i don't want to keep doing this all the time and there <clears throat> So it, it, it forced people to think, well, there must be an easy way of doing this mm. uh, because we need to. Um, what, the one thing that was more boring or frustrating than testing was actually having to recover from things that failed and broke. So the, those two pain points got so painful, the more we were adding more functionality, more code, 
because we were delivering and building writing code more iteratively, the pressure on being able to test that more repetitively got so much that we did something about it. Yeah. And it's just a case of the, the pain points growing enough for people to want to do something about it. That's one way of changing is it becomes so painful. The other is it becomes so valuable and so enjoyable. Um, and I think there is an element of that as well, because it is a, the technology is there, the tools are there, that this becomes a little bit sexier mm. as well as less painful. And yeah. that's when the you, know, you hit that sweet spot. <clears throat> we're not there yet. You know, she, she said, you know, it's not, we're not there yet. Uh, far from it. And I think, yeah, like you, it was a little bit sobering. Yeah. Um, to think, oh, because part of me thinks we're, we should be a lot further on, you know, 20 years mm. later. Mm. Um, I think but, it's just also the extent, the, the the width, the breadth, I suppose, of the of the type of testing. It's it's very easy just to you know to focus on one element, um, but like she mentioned, exploratory testing. She mentioned performance testing. So many different types of testing that I didn't even realise until I, I think it was when I got to Nokia that then people started talking about all these different types of words: regression testing, smoke testing, stress testing. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh my god, it's um. It's not just does it work. It's actually there's a, there's a whole load of there's a, even that's a multi-dimensional question, isn't it? Yeah. It can be working on many levels, um, or not working on many levels. Um, yeah, and I've got I've got the utmost respect for um for the for the agile testing community to pioneer that work. We're we're kind of approaching running out of time, but um, while we've been talking and summarising, it it does remind me. I suppose you, you do remember the horror stories, don't you? You remember the um, the sticky situations that mm. I know I've been in. Um, and you think about that at the time, it's generally a lack of testing that's <laughs> that's got us into that situation. I'll tell one story um, and then I'll see if you can remember any of yours. But let's not <laughs> let's not name the company. And I, I won't name. Well, we'll put, most people can probably guess what company it's going to be, but we should probably stay away from individuals that, that are involved. But one particular large telecom telecoms company in the UK, um, um, we had, I was developing a system whereby by the end of the day, um, it would grind to a halt. So it basically, the, I think it was, they used to, the developers would say it was a memory leak. We basically had a memory leak within the, within the software with just badly written software and by the end of the day, the, the users were struggling with page load times and all sorts of things. So the way that we got around that issue um, was not by fixing technical debt. It was not by, you know, redesigning and, you know, instituting more testing. Do you know how we got around it? Mm -hmm. We uh, we automated a routine where the server would be restarted every morning at six o'clock. Um, which is terrible when you when you look back at that now the way that we got around it oh just to turn it off and turn it back on again um, <laughs> it's it's not a permanent fix um, and we would basically take the system down on a daily basis to let the server breathe and then hope hope cross our fingers that it came back on again and, and still worked and yeah looking back now I think my god how did, how did I ever let that that, uh, that carry on but uh, but yeah any, any any stories from your past that you think god that could have been we could have done that so much better if we'd have been doing more testing around that yeah but i think this is you know, this this is classic um challenge that that organizations face teams face right it's we don't have time yeah to do it properly and the more legacy you've got built up the harder it is 
to go back and make that start. Yeah, what I would say, and I, I would say that what what you did there in the past was fine. Okay, as long as that wasn't meant to be the solution. Mm. It it was a way of maintaining service for your customers while you investigated how to solve the real problem. And I think you know agile teams will do that. Bad agile teams would leave that there mm. and, and say, okay, well, let's add more features. The good agile teams would say, well, we're not going to add anything else mm. until we can fix this. Mm. In fact, they'll probably go and they'll start taking out features until they've you know, got back to a place where it is stable again. Um, and that that's, I think, really important. But yeah, we would, back then, I think our problem was we didn't, we didn't realize the importance of it. We didn't realize the cumulative effect of it, the, the compound interest effect of that technical debt. Mm. We just saw the surface level um, under so much pressure to deliver more stuff. Um, we didn't realize how much we could push back against that. Mm. We didn't have the arguments. We didn't have the data. We didn't have the logic. We didn't have the gravitas or the confidence or the courage um, to push back about that. And, and probably our problem was making it worse. Uh, yeah, we, we were great at finding workarounds, great at finding sticking plasters, mm. um, but not really good at uh, whatever the metaphor would be of actually going in and, and you know, fixing the wound, you know? Yes, exactly, um, yeah. And that's, yeah, we used to talk about, we still do talk about a lot in our Scrum courses about this, this idea of paying back a little bit of technical debt, get into that practice of paying back debts, um, small debts, yeah, as soon mm. as you take them on rather than that yeah that that sticky plaster that big sticky plaster of turning it off and on again um was a symptom yeah, of stick- a, a, too much too much technical debt and too expensive to pay back i'm running away with this metaphor now but we often would stick a sticking plaster over something that was actually infected um and and that makes it worse right <laughs> you sometimes you need to just rip that that, that bandage off expose it to the air and, yeah. and clean it out with the disinfectant yes it stings yeah um but it's something it's going to heal quicker it's going to heal quicker and heal better yeah nice and nice medical analogy jeff very good (laughs) yeah so there we are um that was our chat uh or a summary of our chat with 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 lisa crispin if you are interested um in hearing the full details of 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 what we talked about with lisa head over to patreon.com forward slash the agile podcast where you can hear... And as well as being able to hear the full episode, you can also recommend who you would like us to to invite on for future prestigious pints. At the moment, we've been guided largely by our own personal um, idolism uh, and, and heroes and so on. Uh, but recently, we've been getting suggestions from our patrons as to who we're going to speak to next. So get involved in the conversation, help drive this series forward. Very good. Well, lovely to share a coffee with you, Jeff. Yeah. Um, uh, rather than a pint but maybe just maybe soon very soon we might be back in the pub for uh well for we've got some we've got some face-to-face real 3d courses lined up for november haven't we so well we have yeah. i'm not I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how i'm going to cope with that with the idea of uh being in a room with people and uh i thought you meant with me then well yeah that as well uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll just talk over each other we're, we're, i can't wait i can't wait just to <laughs> yeah just to see people, smell people, shake hands, whatever. Yeah. Um, put some sticky notes on a wall, write on a flip chart again. 
that I'm, much I'm ho- way. hoping all my pens haven't dried out i did yeah i need to get have a look yeah but have a look on our website um um yeah for a, a few courses both jeff and i've got um we're hitting november quite hard so it'd be great to see some of you there come and join us in lovely london lovely well um see we thank you very much for listening and i'll uh, we'll see and hear from our listeners hopefully sometime soon goodbye cheers all cheers <laughs>